Okay, welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Paddy Mann, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and today I'm joined by Jordan Fleming, the CEO and co-founder of Smartphone. Smartphone, that's S-M-R-T phone, is a software as a, a software as a service company that's recently passed 5 million and is well on its way to 10 million in revenue. And they've managed to get to this point incredibly quickly, having founded the company in 2017. And the amazing thing is that they've done this without a sense of constant chaos and stress. So Jordan, welcome and thanks for joining the show. Um, can you start by telling us a bit about your high-level story? What are the major life and business events that have taken you uh, from the start to where you are today? Okay. Well, nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, that's a big question. That's a long question. I'll summarize. Uh, you know, I, I, as you can tell by my accent, I am not, uh, I'm not European, I'm, uh, but I, uh, I moved to Europe when I was 20. Uh, you moved to Edinburgh uh, to do a master's and PhD nice. uh, at the University of Edinburgh and uh, discovered I didn't want to work in academia or work for anybody uh, and essentially founded my first business and I have been doing my own businesses since. Um, and really the the there was a kind of a chain of events that led us me to move from a strategy consultancy to a business systems consultancy, right? We were, mm -hmm. I was building um, marketing strategies for companies and realized that there was a lot of operational challenges that they mo mostly had that could, they couldn't cope with any sort of growth. Um, and I started to implement a, a workflow management tool that I was using into their businesses. And that transitioned into me stopping doing strategies and only doing that. And that transitioned into me spotting a gap in this workflow management tool uh, called Podios. Um, you know, there was a gap there where there was no phone system. Mm -hmm. And um, all the stars aligned and we, you know, I met my co-founders and we decided to, to build this system, not really knowing if it was going to take off. We saw the gap, but we didn't know, uh, you know, how much of a gap it was going to be. And, you know, he, here we are. <laughs> so it, it more accidental than than people, I think, always assume. They think you you planned everything out and everything is uh, absolutely perfectly thought through. And the truth of the matter is you adapt to things much more than you plan things. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, myself and my co-founder, we also started off as consultants, though we did ha have the vision one day that we wanted to create a product company, something that could scale up. Uh, did you always know that you were... Uh, looking to find a, a product or, or was it accidental even at, at that extent? It was probably accidental. I mean, the truth of the matter is I always knew I wanted to, or I felt from a very early on, I wanted to scale a business. And I, I tried to scale a consultancy a number mm. of times. And anybody who's tried to do that uh, runs up and in, probably into the exact same problems. Number one, everybody wants you. Nobody really wants right. anybody else. And there's only so much of you to go around. And number two, you know, consultancies are feast and famine. They're selling time and time is a finite thing. And so um, I had sort of semi-resolved to be a very small consultancy because I'd been, you know, I'd tried to scale a couple of times, scaled up, got burned a little, uh, you know, tr didn't, you know, tried to adjust. 
And then when I realized the power of having a software business versus a consultancy, I, I was 100% sold. I was like, well, this is it. This is exactly what I've been looking for. This is a completely scalable uh, business. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who are consultants at a fairly small scale and they, they've got great businesses and, and they're managing to do it. Some of them with a great quality of life as well. But scaling it is difficult. Uh, myself and my co-founder, we started in a big uh, consultancy, London-based. And one of our realizations early on was when you look up uh, at the the senior partners uh, on on some you know attributes of life, they're they're very successful and they you know they're they're operating at the top levels, working with all the the big boys and, and making a ton of money. But the amount of time and effort and stress that they had to pour into that job to make that work and to have a scalable operation and to as you say, go through those feast and famine cycles while having commitments to the to the firm to their families was. Uh, it didn't look like a lot of fun, which was uh, one of the reasons that we <laughs> we parted it. Give me a sense of scale. How, how long were you a consultant before you then made this call? Uh, about 15 years. Um, ish. I can't, honestly, I, now I should have prepared my dates more for this podcast, but um, about 15 years. I mean, I, the thing is, I've never really worked for anybody. Um, in high school, I, I did. I, obviously, I, had, like, I worked in the, you know, like a, in a a pharmacy for like type environment. Like I was a retail guy for a bit. I, I worked as a dishwasher and I, mm -hmm. you know, I worked in scuba diving shops and I was worked as a musician and as a musician, you're always kind of self-employed. And, and I just, I knew I never wanted to work for anybody. I, that was just, I just knew that I instinctively that that was never going to work. Um, uh, it was never going to be something I was happy with. I was never, you know, working in academia as doing a PhD, you know, you're teaching and all that, jazz and and you see the complete uh ridiculousness of a large organization and how it works the mm -hmm. you know you kind of you you see the 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 management levels and the you know and all these employees doing things i assume but uh, it just it, i knew that that was always going to be a straight jacket of an environment so um, I, you know, the, the thought of, of doing anything but working for myself in some manner would never have, I, I don't think ever crossed my mind. Okay. Entrepreneur through and through that. That's, that's awesome. All right. So one of the reasons I brought you onto the show is that you're part of a, a mentor group. We both uh, are part of the same, same group, um, uh, with a, a great guy called Greg Head. And I heard you talking to Greg uh, about where you are now. So you're you're scaling your company. And since 2017, when you founded it, it took you a couple of years to get revenue. And now you're scaling rapidly to the point where uh, when you spoke to Greg earlier in the year, you were talking about getting to 5 million in revenue. And now you're talking about getting to 8 to 10 million in revenue. And so you're scaling, you know, at a, a trajectory, which I, for a lot of us would be a, a dream come true. And yet, when you hear about companies growing quickly, uh, particularly you know uh, some of the the larger ones, you hear about the chaos and the stress that goes with it, and you hear about the long hours and the intensity uh, and the lack of of process and and all sorts of shocking stories, and yet that's something that really clearly didn't come out of what you were describing to to Greg. So I'm really interested in how you got there. But actually, what I'd like to uh, dig into first is before you've got to this point where you're making it look easy, where have there been some big 
some of your biggest challenges, your failures, your pain points that did cause you stress along the way? And how have you tackled those? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there, there, surprisingly few stress points, surprisingly. Um, but there were some, I mean, I think part of this is when we founded this company, we both had like some, I have two active, there are four co-founders of the business. One is a, a relatively passive owner and, and two are in the company as in this, you know, executive team with me, the CTO and the CFO. And, you know, when we founded this company, they had, um, uh, my co-founders, Alex and Vlad, mm -hmm. uh, Vlad being the CTO, Alex being the CFO, uh, they had a business um doing the same kind of thing i did but on a much more technical end and i had a business so we that in in one way that added stress because you're you know first of all you're pulled in two directions and that that only became really true once the scale started to happen right when you're starting and we're getting it out the being pulled in two directions is really about money right because you're feeding this beast you know, we were joint feeding the beast, essentially. I, I was feeding it from a marketing point of view, a marketing budget. They were feeding it from a technical point of view, putting their developers on the project. Mm -hmm. And so that added a, a, a stress level. That added an overhead to both of us, both time and money. That was challenging because you still had to feed your own beast as well, whether that was staff or, you know, so you, you had that extra pressure. Um on the flip side, there was less pressure because we didn't have an external investor. We didn't have, you know, it, it was a pressure we'd put on ourselves, uh, or, uh, you know, or it was, a, it was an environment we put on ourselves. So I think that was, you know, it was mitigated slightly by, by that element. Um, uh, but I would say that was a, that was definitely, uh, a, you know, a, a, an element of stress um, because you were, being pulled in multiple directions. So if I interpret this correctly, so at the point of you starting your, your current company, Smartphone, uh, both you and your co-founders were doing it alongside another business. And essentially that allowed you to pay the bills. Uh, you were able to keep going, stay profitable, uh, or at least in good economic shape so you didn't have quite the intensity of stress. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some some challenges, but but not not devastating. Clearly, uh, based on where you've got to um, today, but it gave you that that time and and space to to get it to work. And of course, balancing those two, something again, I've done myself. We're uh, now in our second self as a service business, and also did consultancy, and have always been balancing those two uh, to to try and maintain profitability and and so on. Um, but. but You've taken two things into it. One, you've given the money, but two, you've been coming to it with your co-founders with a lot of prior experience of how to run a, uh, a business. So what lessons have you taken from your previous businesses that have allowed this business to start uh, start relatively smoothly and then scale up at quite such a rapid pace without the kind of chaos that you, you might see at other businesses, including perhaps some of your clients that you've worked with? Um, yeah, I think, I think you've got to separate that into two sort of sides because the reality is, you know, when we started smartphone, there was Alex, Vlad, myself, uh, I think our senior, the head of development, uh, uh, Ovidio was in, 
brought in really quickly at the at the stage we were we were creating a test product um and then we brought on uh, a couple of guys to the you know a couple guys from support one who's still our head of support um and the you know the other two are gone now um so we you got to kind of separate it into the getting it off the ground stage and the scale stage yeah. and the scale stage doesn't have to take you know the scale stage the scale stage happened quickly um you know once we actually rolled the product out and properly rolled it out like actually kind of got it into people's hands and went out of beta and all that the 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 sales and the scaling happened relatively quickly but at the beginning you know it's kind of all hands in i was on support like i worked on support i reached out to customers directly i you know we all sort of um doing things uh very hands-on mm-hmm. at that point um and and that is i wouldn't say chaos but there's very little structure when everything is just new and and you know so it's not fair to say you know we started with a rigorous process in place and a a, a brilliant structure um of course not we started just trying to get the thing moving the right. advantage we had was once we had the thing moving I particularly had an advantage that I was essentially a management consultant for 15 years, a freelance, like without having any management experience or, or any criteria, like any, any qualification to back it up. But I, I sort of built these strategies and implemented a lot of change management into companies just on gut instinct. But I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of bad things and I fixed a lot of bad things. And of course I also had in my co-founders, two people who were, were used to running a business and understood cash flow and and you know challenges around that. So once we got into the scaling bit and we refined and we probably we we sort of agreed on on a direction and 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 on and what we were trying to do, that's when our experience as being 15 years in business for me and probably 8 years for them cuz they're younger than me um came into it where I kind of knew I knew the problems, I knew the pitfalls, I knew the challenges of scaling and of people and processes and what happens if you don't have these things defined and and how, you know, and all of those things. And that's allowed us, I think, in a lot of ways to be ahead of the curve in in building our, our business structure yep. uh, and and building our team structures and all of that. I think I think we're relatively ahead of the curve for most businesses. So give me a few, couple of examples of that kind of those those kind of things that you were conscious of. You knew they were problems and, and pitfalls that you were going to stumble across and put systems processes in place proactively uh, at an early stage to to make that easier. Um, okay, well, the probably two things. Uh, I mean. Number one, just having a very, again, I had a business for 10 years or eight years building these business systems for people, you know, having a really rigorous workflow and business management tool customized to us. We started out with that because we both did that. And, and just that alone, it meant you weren't dealing with Excel sheets and emails. You, you had a kind of a, we'd built a system to, to, to manage all the processes of the business to, to collaborate and, and do everything. Uh, we did that almost from the, uh, you know, probably from the outset. Mm-hmm. And most businesses don't do that. And, you know, until they feel like things, most businesses don't address these things until the balls are getting dropped. And I think one of the advantages we've had is 
I think we've been able to foresee where balls could be dropped and because of our experience and sort of uh, stop them from even being, you know, juggled, you know, or being slightly bobbled because yeah. we were like, well, I know the balls are going to stop at a drop over here. So, and I know that six months ahead and I'm going to put a process in place and a structure in place to manage that. I mean, an example would be leadership uh, development inside of your teams, right? And we, we've now got about 50 people in the company. Yeah. And once you get, you know, once you get past 15 people, again, things start to get dropped or things, you know, balls get dropped and, and cracks start to appear unless you build the structures and the processes and the leadership. And so we developed our own leadership academy. Um, we've already got, you know, something that probably most businesses won't do until they've got 200 employees. You know, we, we've, we've developed a leadership academy that we've already put one full cohort through and the next cohort starting in October yeah. and to develop leadership skills along which are and leadership skills training and um, kind of a methodology that is based on our management principles and uh, and our the vision for the company. And I think that's, again, an example of looking ahead and knowing, you know, you're going to have a leadership gap as you scale up. So let's start building leaders so that that gap never actually happens. That's brilliant. And I, I love that, um, that example. I think you're completely right that for most businesses, it's a case of you almost you have to experience the pain. And even if you know that it's going to cause you a problem, until you've seen it, it's hard for you to understand the scale of the problem and how the hell to prioritize it against everything else which feels urgent at this moment in time. Uh, for most you know, earlier stage businesses, they're not getting you know, near leadership development, but starting off with sorting out your recruitment, sorting out your onboarding, and then your, your standard uh, personal development, performance management, things like doing performance reviews and supporting people with their own personal development. And then if you keep doing this uh, and iterating, you build up these systems to the point where you're doing uh, the things that you only imagine existing in enterprises, such as leadership development. But I think one of the realizations you've had and that we've had in our own businesses is all these uh, things which sound enterprisey, they exist for really good reasons. And you just have to get your head around what it is, when that problem is going to arise, and how to develop it, implement it in a way that works for your business at your scale with your culture. Um, and it sounds like you're able to do that because you've had this great experience. You've been working, doing systems from the get-go. The the product that you're using, uh, I, I think most of our listeners won't know what it is. It's a tool called Podio, which is a no-code solution for building your own um, tools within your company. It's incredibly flexible. It came out well ahead of its time. It's been around for over 10 years. We were using it uh, in our own early um, earlier days. But it allows you to create flexible systems to do, to, to do whatever tool you, you need, which is really, really powerful. And you're building on that experience and building it up. I've got to say, when I, when I look at your business a few things that are jumping out one you've got a leadership team who are getting enough time to work on the business so it sounds like that's particularly yourself coming from that management consultancy background you're putting a lot of time into fixing working on the business rather than in it focusing on improving the processes so that you can scale at every level 
you've then got these great processes that are continuously improving and you're putting in the systems, the training, the onboarding, and now the development to help you scale up that that team. <laughs> Almost seems like a silly question, but you know, how important do you feel these elements are for your success? If you didn't have these, is there any chance that you, you would be where you are today? Absolutely not. Of course not. Um, uh, absolutely not. Um, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into um, into to building a, a strong, a successful company. And, and you know what? And one of the things that we probably don't mention enough, apologies if this background noise of, of the, the road next to me. Uh, one of the things we probably don't mention enough is also a focus on the fundamentals of what makes a good business. And that gets missed a lot on software particularly. Uh, you know, in a world where everyone talks about unicorns and get, grabbing VC money and, and and all these things, where you know this idea that you should build a software business loss making just uh, mm -hmm. to get users and uh, you know and 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 all that, which has been a, a kind of concept for a decade, right? You know, you had you know Facebook and and all of these companies running at massive losses and getting billions invested and all these sorts of things. So everybody kind of assumed, well, that's the model, right? All these people were like, oh, well, I'm going to build a software business and someone's going to invest and I'm going to make a billion dollars. And, you know, it doesn't matter if I make any revenue and da, 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 da. And of course that works for half a percent of the businesses. And for the rest of the ones that do that, uh, they die and, and, and we see layoffs and all that. And I think one of the, the, I would only add to what you've said, those three things you mentioned are critical, but also having a really strong understanding and, and focus on the business fundamentals, on cash flow, on, you know, like I, I you know, we, one of our core, um, our core uh, tenants in, at smartphone, you know, when we, when we look at, at building our, our vision and our, and our core values, one of the core values is that smartphone will always be a stable, strong business mm -hmm. that we will grow in a, in a, in a, in a way that can be managed. And that's something I think that gets glossed over a lot when we look at software businesses. And I think it's important. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, I'd agree with it. And initially you got to get go. I'm a software business myself. So we're doing a software business. We understand that we had the same uh, experience of you. You are the Silicon Valley media is telling you that you should be doing funding and growing quickly. And the te temptation, I've gone and looked at it again and again and again and gone, oh, it sounds like the dream. And then you 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 start researching it and go, no, it sounds horrendous. You, you know, this this having funding. Uh, essentially, you are giving yourself a boss immediately who are going to set completely unrealistic projections uh, and don't actually care that much whether or not you succeed because they're 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 playing numbers game. They're investing in you know ten, twenty, thirty, uh, hundred companies and only need a few to succeed. And it and it's crazy. So it's this software culture which we had to fight against. And you you're right. You have to go back and go. What are the fundamentals of a, of a good business? And then you discover that there are though they're not in the media, tons of software businesses that are doing it the same way. They're, they're bootstrapping it. They are um, self-funding and working out how to create a sustainable business that can grow at perhaps not a unicorn uh, rate, but can still be incredibly successful like your, like your own.
But my initial reaction was, you know what, is this, is this just a software problem? But I'm reflecting back on some of the previous um, uh, uh, podcast interviews that we've done with different industries. And one that jumps to mind was uh, looking at um, the construction industry. And in the construction industry, they've got a different culture where you, you're constantly looking to do the next project and find funding for it, but you're not going to be paid until some future date. And there's this huge risk of about whether or not your cost will eventually eclipse what you've invested there. And there's this awful culture where it's common in certain companies to take what money from one project to fund the investment they need to make in another project, which can you know, help them accelerate rapidly and leads to some companies, you know, appearing to do great and making the media, but it's incredibly dangerous and can quickly lead to the house of cards falling, falling down. And I, I think the same applies. And you could look at consulting or any of these different industries. And it's about having these fundamentals, about understanding the importance of cash flow, the importance of having a runway, how you're going to cover your costs, how you're going to uh, make those numbers stack up. And about not ignoring those, not trying to throw it over the fence to an account and assume that they're doing the right thing. I heard horror stories of where that's happened and, and money just disappears and, and the business falls over. You as a business owner founder need to have that, that grasp, that understanding. And you just need to put some processes in place so that each month or each week you're keeping an eye on it and can take any decisions that are that are necessary. And again, it, yeah, it's such a, a foundational thing and it's so important for removing the stress uh, as you scale up. You do not want to find out that you're running out of money when you've only got a month to to deal with it because suddenly you're going to have to invest all of your energy and a ton of stress into fixing this issue. Whereas if you can put those processes in place, be clear on, on running a sustainable and profitable uh, business or getting to that point, then you can remove that and it can always be something that you're dealing with like, okay, in maybe three to six months, we might have an issue. What proactive thing do we take now? And perhaps that's something can be delegated because we've got time to deal with it. It's a uh, a huge but often often ignored thing. So I'm really glad that you that you raised that. One of the uh, the other great things I, I, I love when you're talking to, to Greg was about a realization that you had which was around business success and what it what it is. And you talked about the future prize versus the current prize. Could you explain that and, and what it means and why it's so important to you? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, that was a, a very particular uh, discussion and it's something I very... Uh, I believe very strongly and and I think you know our our company believes very strongly and and certainly my co-founders believe very strongly. I mean and and it goes it's probably a reaction against this notion of hustle culture that we seem to have now where you know where everybody is always um uh flexing on just how much hours they're putting into the day, you know, like as though it was by you working 10 hours more than me in a day that that somehow is more valuable. And um, uh, I have, I think our, my co-founders certainly, and I have a real, real intent on enjoying our life now and not just, you know, and I, I hear so many people be, you know, particularly founders and, and, and people who are in this sort of hustle culture. They're all, it's always, well, I'll be enjoying it when, 
I'll, yeah. you know, when I sell my business, that's, you know, that's when I'm going to enjoy it. When I, when I get this and when I get that. And, and I, and I think that is just the wrong way to look at life in, in so many ways. Um, you know, uh, in general, I work five hours a day. Wow. That's, that's nice. I, I work in general, I work five. Now I work very concentrated in those five hours. I accomplish probably more than most people will accomplish in their eight hour workday. I, you know, I have a very focused way of working and I know exactly what I need to achieve. Um, but I also, you know, every morning I get up and I go for a 30 minute swim in my pool and then I hit the gym or whatever. And I, or I drive the kids to school or whatever. And I do a little work in my workshop for a bit. And then I start work around noon every day. Um, and I finish at five 30. Uh, and, uh, and so I guess it's five and a half hours. Um, but you know, and that that is part of me enjoying my everyday life right like that's part of me paying attention to what matters to me as a human being uh not just as as a ceo or as a as someone working or anything else and enjoying every little step of the journey and and my life uh and i think that's important if you're not doing that you're 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 always pushing off your enjoyment of life until some other point and i just like what's the point like what are you doing yeah like i just don't get it so that's not something we we do as a company either for our in team we we try and encourage everybody to act like that and to and to enjoy their life now and to invest in them now so they can have their best life now that the five hour uh number that even to me so that i i definitely share the same values we've got it as one of our values to enjoy the journey um and a, a bit like the um uh, the myth of a software company should always take funding and grow like a a, a crazy thing there's this myth that as a you know a, a young company you should be working your ass off and that's the only way to succeed and it's not you're not doing that and i'm not doing that i've just come back from a four-week uh holiday and i have constraints put on myself both uh, as a decision and, and because i've got a family and so on uh i keep it down to 40 hours a, a a week whereas so many businesses are doing 50 60 70 they think they need to do every evening every weekend and the reality of of growing a business is it's not going to be something you're going to take from zero to success in a few years it's going to be a marathon it's you're going to be doing it for 10 years or more if you if you want to um uh, grow and succeed so to wait for that future prize is is so painful um but you've you've got to the point where you're down to five hours a week how, how could a day Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, no. I hadn't. Uh, I was a week, and I'd be, <laughs> be in a real special place. Well, that's what we set off with the Tim Ferriss book, "How to Do a Four Hour Work Week," which turned out to be a bit of a myth, anyway. Um, but five hours a day, which is is uh, the way I'd heard it the first time, just mis misspoke. Uh, were you, you know, how quickly did you get to that that point? Um, I'm guessing when you had two businesses at the same time, and you're just kicking off. It was a, a bit more of a hustle. When did you transition, and and uh, how was it even in the early days? Well, in the early days, obviously, you're doing a lot more. Uh, if you're wearing a lot of, in the early days, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. In the early days, you know, I don't think I even call. I was the CEO when we started. Like Vlad, Alex, and I, we all started this business together, and with another. Actually, we started with another guy who eventually left, and 
um, and and founded his own successful business and is doing awesome. And uh, and uh, but we, you know, when you start, obviously the the like Vlad being the technical guy, he was always going to be in the technical state. <laughs> um, and Alex is a finance guy, so he was always going to be in that side. Me, I was in sort of the sales and marketing bit, and it was only I only took the role or the title of CEO, I guess, like three years ago, mm-hmm. two years, two and a half years ago. Because uh, at the beginning, it's like, whatever, man, like we're all just, you know, you're doing all, all sorts of stuff. You're, 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 you've got all sorts of hats on. But over as we've scaled the business, and because we've been able to put in the right structures and processes, we've been able to put in the right people in place. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, that let me uh, do what I should be doing as CEO, which is spend most of my days, um, you know, on the working on the company. I mean, I don't execute aside from writing this business strategy and and essentially setting in motion the things that I want to have happen and may, you know, at the at the strategic level, the structures and the things I want to build. Um, aside from that, um, in terms of like, what do I execute on on a daily basis? Not much. Like, like, because it's not my role to, it's not my job to execute, right? I don't work in support. They execute something very specific. I don't work. I'm not a developer. They execute. I'm not in marketing. They execute. Uh, my job, aside from supporting my leadership team, which I do on a daily basis, and sometimes speaking to our integration partners, being the face, being the, the guy mm-hmm. who speaks at events and all that. But my job is really to think deeply about how the business works and where it's going. And that's my job. Like that is, that's it. And so, you know, that's where I'm able to focus also my workday on, you know, occasion, do I occasionally do longer days? Yeah. Sometimes like I'll have something I need to accomplish. So I'll, I'll, I'll work in the morning cause I'm trying to get something done or, or whatever. But, um, my job as a CEO is not to be in the grind of running the business because like if I, if I got 50 employees and I'm doing that, what the hell am I doing as the CEO and what the hell are all they doing? Like what, like what, what have you built? My job as a CEO in this company is to is to set the direction and build the structures to make sure we can achieve it. And, and, and that's really where my mind is focused on. And, and, you know, sometimes like I was just, I just came back from a a week in the States. I spoke, I had a meeting at Salesforce in Chicago, and then I spoke in an event in Florida. That's part of my job, right? I'm Mm -hmm. the CEO. I show up, I'm the CEO of smartphone and I, and I go on stage and I speak to people and then I, I meet people and do all that. Um, but aside from that, when I'm just here working, um, uh, execution, my job is to think my job is to plan. My job is to create the momentum for where we're going. Cool. I, I, I love that. I love both the fact that you're so clear about what your role is and how to deliver that and that you're able to do that in a short amount of time. And you're not setting this arbitrary, well, I work an eight hour day and therefore, what do I fill my time out with? I'm going to, you know, go dig into these different holes. No, you said this is where my role is. This is where I'm focusing. I've got, um, and I'm able to do that in in five hours a day, and that supports my values. It supports the values of the business. I'm betting it also allows you to do a better job because uh, if you're anything like most CEOs, even when you're not at the table, you do get time to think about. 
some of the big challenges you're facing and actually having more of that time to reflect in between working can be a really powerful uh, asset for you and for the business. But you shared that, you know, it wasn't long ago, uh, a, a few years that you were wearing all these hats, that you were involved in support and other, every other area. So you've needed to, to essentially work out how to build those systems and then delegate and then hold people accountable and trust them to do those roles. And it's a fact that you've been able to do this so, so well, which is allowing you not just to be at this point without chaos, but to, to really be living what I'd say is the, the dream for a lot of small business owners to be in control of your, uh, your business, your, your life, but to have this freedom where you're working a sensible number of hours doing what you love and getting so much time, uh, on the, the wider things which are important in life. So I really, really love this story. Um, tell me before we finish just a little bit more about smartphone. Who's it targeted at? What problem does it solve and how can our listeners find out more? Well, uh, so smartphone was, as you, we pointed out earlier, you know, we, we originally built it for the system, uh, Podio, which is, uh, is that low code, no code solution. Um, but as we've expanded, since we founded, we're now, uh, connected to Salesforce and, and a few, um, a few other, uh, you know, rather bespoke CRM systems in the real estate, um, uh, kind of sector, uh, as well as now we're branching to in some, some new sectors and smartphone is a, you know, all in one communications platform for cloud phone system with a, you know, the, the core phone text messages, voicemails, uh, a power dialer, you know, the, the, the core stuff you would assume that you get out of a, a, an online phone system. Our biggest thing though, is that we are very deeply connected to a certain amount of systems. So you'll see out there, uh, you know, everybody will have a, you know, you'll see, you'll go and someone connects to Zapier, which says, so they say we connect to 4,000 plus software systems mm -hmm. and yeah, great. Okay. Uh, but the truth is the Zapier is a very, very light touch connection. Zapier, it, you know, it, it, it goes skin to skin. So essentially it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the, the first level data to first level data connection. It's not really built when you, when you connect something via Zapier, you're not really connecting and integrating with something. You're passing a bit of data back and forth. That's all you're doing. It's all you can do. It's all it's built to do. Um, and that's fine for some things, but what we realized was the more deeply your communication, your phone system was integrated into your CRM, the more seamlessly it worked within the, the methodology of that platform, the more it became a business tool that was irreplaceable for you. The more it became a business tool that, that really enhanced your productivity and what you were able to achieve sales wise or support wise, whatever you're, you're doing in your business. And so our focus in smartphone is really not to be the phone system for every business, but to be the phone system uh, for businesses using our CRM connections. And there's only five of them at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, and we're, we're at our stage now only of getting connected to five systems. Uh, now we've got another connection coming on uh, right now we're working on, and then we've got another one coming up in Q4. And as we expand those connections, we get access to a very, very specific marketplace of customers who suddenly have a fully integrated phone system in a way they've never had access before. Now that's not going to matter to some of them, to some of them it's going to matter very much. And that's really where our focus is. Now, for instance, we are connected to Salesforce, 
which is the biggest CRM in the world. Um, but and we are deeply connected in there, and we we have a, a very very strong integration with there, and so that you know anybody who's using any business that's running their sales, their operations, and Salesforce, you know, suddenly imagine being able to have your phone system and your sales uh, dialing system completely connected to your your system. Like every phone call, every text message, every yeah. phone call you make to that prospect, bam, logged against the prospect. Uh, those sorts of, uh, that sort of deep integration is what we are all about. It's our core philosophy of business and of what our product is. And it brings an enormous value to our customers. That's awesome. And I, I completely get it knowing uh, just how painful it can be. You know, your CRM is your ultimate database of where your customers are, what they're doing. And in theory, you're always getting these promises about different tools talking to each other uh, and passing data into your CRM, which is where you want it. You want to know what your customers uh, and your leads are doing, what they've done before, how you've interacted with them. But often it's a nightmare and getting this one picture of what's happening is incredibly painful, incredibly time consuming. So if, if doing uh phone dialing, making calls is a big part of your business. Being able to get all of those records straight in without uh, a ton of work to, to pass it in and out, that's going to be a, a game changer for certain types of businesses. So really love what you're doing there. I can see another reason that you're, you're able to scale so quickly. Brilliant. So thank you so much for your time today, Jordan. It's been a, a real pleasure looking at... A business has grown really successfully at this point um, in a few short years. So since 2017, uh, but I think the product only really got going into, uh, and seen revenue in 2019. They're already at the point where they've passed 5 million and they're going up to 10 million in revenue. But the exciting bit in my eyes is not the revenue numbers. It's about the way that Jordan and his team are doing it without this constant stress. And we've heard about how he's now working uh, five hours a day and that he's embedding this this value of um, enjoying what you're doing for living for the moment into his team, into his his company. And it's a really great uh, story that we can aspire to when you can look at how he's dedicating his leadership time, getting the processes in place and continuously improving his business to take it to that, to that next level. Um, I will be adding the link to smartphone uh, in the show notes. I believe you can reach out to Jordan Fleming on LinkedIn. Is that the best way to reach out if anyone's got any questions? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is is absolutely, uh, is probably the best way to do it. Brilliant. If this is, you know, if you are currently, you know, running a small business, if you're a CEO, o CEO, and you're looking at how do I do this for myself and for Jordan, we've done past businesses. And that's one of the reasons that we're able to move as quickly as we do in the current ones. We've got uh, the the learnings of those big pitfalls and problems and the systems that we need to be putting in place. But a lot of this stuff, the, the understanding of what systems you're going to need to do your cash flow, to do your onboarding, to do your leadership development, knowing when you're going to need them and knowing how to approach systemizing them so it doesn't completely derail you from your day-to-day -day job is a skill that you're going to need to learn. So if this is an area that you're struggling with or could do with some assistance, then of course, Air Manual is going to be a great uh, a great solution. We'd love to talk to you. We've got hundreds of templates, which will help you on your way. And we've got the experts and the guidance to help you up to speed quickly. So you can do this alongside your day-to-day -day business. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, then please do take a moment to subscribe. And as a bonus, if you're able to leave a review, then this will help the podcast to get more visibility and help more people. Other than that, other than that until next time, have fun. Brilliant. Thank you, Jordan. I, yeah, that's good. That was all genuine. I, I...